0: Thank you for allowing me to have this time, Brother Rick. Thank y'all all for being here. It's, uh, it's always good to be in the house of God. Uh, the message tonight, this message is based on a scripture found in James, chapter 1, verses 13, 14, and 15. Let no man say when... Now notice God put in there, he said when. He didn't say if... Let no man say, When he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. We all have different different hairstyles. We like different food. We drive different cars. But there's one thing that we all have in common. And that's temptation. We all get tempted. It doesn't matter if you're lost. It doesn't matter if you're saved. Temptation will find you. When I think about temptation, when I think about doing something wrong, I feel remorseful. I feel regret, uh, but it's when I give in to that sin that I know that I failed again. We face temptations like overeating. Now, that may not be a big deal to some of you, but others, overeating is a big problem. We face temptations like drinking alcohol, like gambling, stealing, lust, the pride of life, And the list goes on and on. What I fail to remember when I get caught up in my own dilemma is that I'm not unique. We all have our own battles to fight. Point number one, as we have already established, temptation is a certainty. The first two people on earth uh, were tempted. Adam and Eve were placed in the garden. And in the garden, Eve was tempted to eat of the tree of Uh, Of the knowledge of good and evil she did and then what did she do she tempted Adam and he did eat King David he lusted after Bathsheba he was in his uh, in his bedroom uh, lounging on the couch and he decides he'll go out and get a breath of fresh air he goes out and gets a breath of fresh air and what does he do he looks down and there's Bathsheba that's the time he should have turned around and gone back in But he didn't do that. That resulted in adultery and a murderous affair. Jesus was tempted. Satan tempted him to satisfy his hunger after he had been in the desert for 40 days. He offered Jesus the allure of power and authority over kingdoms and tempted Jesus to tempt God by throwing himself off the pinnacle of the temple. My question is, who do you think will be targeted most by temptation? Although every one of us will be uh, tempted, Satan especially wants the righteous people uh, to be tempted and to sin. Christians don't want to sin because of your obedience and because you truly seek the guidance of God. Your testimony will be ruined. He will attack you when you least expect it. A shapely-looking young woman was walking through a store. She had a short skirt on. And uh, as she walked through, the husband's eyes kind of followed her. And the wife, without looking up from what she was examining in the store, said, well, I hope it was worth the trouble you're in. It's so easy to yield to temptation. Yielding to temptation brings nothing but trouble and it's never worth the price that we have to pay. It's no wonder that Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God may let us experience trials from time to time. I'm sure we've all had trials in our lives, but he doesn't do that for any reason except to strengthen us. People say, "If, if, if I want these things, and, and if I want to do these things, then if I'm not supposed to, why do I enjoy them so much? God gave us life to enjoy, but there are boundaries that we have to stay within. Donuts are good, but if you eat a dozen of them, they'll make you fat. Taking a leisurely drive on a Sunday afternoon is good, it's pleasurable, but living life in the fast lane will kill you. Love between a married couple. It's sanctioned by God. It's beautiful. But unfaithfulness breeds disaster. Proverbs 5.15 said, Drink water out of your own cistern. In other words, be faithful to the one you're married to. Point number two, temptation is attractive. It's very attractive. Temptation is always presented in the best possible way. It's always fun or profitable or it looks good, but you never see the devastation that follows. The drunk driver who hits and kills a family just as he leaves the bar. Broken homes caused by lust. Empty bank accounts caused by gambling. While Satan lies and deceives you, uh, God will show you the truth. So what do we do? we're being attacked by satan and it's not something that's easy to overcome. Ephesians 6:12 said for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. So remember this, temptation often occurs after our greatest victories. When you feel like you're invincible all of a sudden you're going to have a temptation to come your way. Example just after Elijah had defeated the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel he was driven by fear that Jezebel would kill him just like she had vowed to do. What did he do? He fled into the wilderness and prayed that God would take his life. Up on a mountain down in the valley We will be vulnerable when we are tired, when we're weak, when we're depressed. And recognize these things are steps we can take to overcome temptation. Number one, to overcome temptation, you need to separate yourself. Recognize and stay away from those things or situations that might cause you to be tempted. If you were once a drinker, you can't go into the bar to reach a convert. You've just put yourself in the way of temptation. Scripture memorization. When he was tempted, Jesus used scriptures against Satan. We need to memorize some scripture, something that will help us during these times of temptation. The Holy Spirit. Ask for a filling of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine wherein there is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me say this: Temptation is not a sin. It's when we give in to those, <clears throat> excuse me. It's when we give in to those wrong desires, it becomes sin. Yeah, right. You may think I'm, I'm thinking a thought and it's a bad thought. Uh, it's as good as the deed. But that's not true. It's not. Billy Graham once said, and I've heard our pastor say it too. Billy Graham once said, "I can't keep a bird from flying over my head." but I can keep him from building a nest in my hair. Today is a good day. It's a good day to review our commitment to the Lord, asking him to forgive us of our sins, asking him to keep us from tempting things or circumstances, to forgive us for our actions that disappoint him and discourage us. You're
1: welcome. All right, test time. What did you, you get out of it? Somebody over this section? Y'all get anything? Y'all get anything out of that? You're bashful, aren't you? Okay, well, maybe try this center section, Brother Lloyd. It is. It begins to draw you in. You, you like the feeling you get from it. It gives you a high. Yeah. All right. And over here, anybody get something from it? Anybody? Everyone is tempted. Even Jesus was tempted; he just didn't sin, and he did use the word of God. We saw that. Let me ask you a question. Now, this takes just a little bit of reasoning, but not not a lot. Um, when you give in to temptation to sin, what does it hurt? It hurts your relationship. That's one thing. I mean. If you sin, you, you're, you're breaking his heart. And so you, you interrupt your relationship with the Lord. What else happens when you sin? What's, what's wrong with sin? Your testimony. He mentioned that, didn't he? It'll hurt your testimony. So if we're trying to lead our children in the right way, and they see us doing the wrong thing, they hear us cussing and doing things against other people that's unbiblical, our kids, no matter what we say, we can tell them, well, I don't want you to smoke or drink or cuss or anything like that. But if they see us doing those things, you think they're likely to listen to what we're saying? Or are they more likely to watch what we're doing? Yeah, yeah. What else does it hurt when you sin? If you give in to that temptation, what does it hurt? Hurt your relationship with Christ. Your family. It'll hurt your family. Yeah, what else? Hebrews chapter 12 says there is such a thing as chastisement. <laughs> and so we may think nobody's watching and we'll get away with this. But the problem is God's always watching, isn't he? Uh, here, here's one too. What about your conscience? Your conscience. If you give in to temptation, you're going to wreck something inside of you that says, you shouldn't have done that. And the Holy Spirit's going to be working on the inside of you, saying, you shouldn't have done that. I went to Walmart yesterday. Uh, don't you just love going to Walmart? <laughs> I, I had the cart full of stuff that I was picking up for groceries, and and I happened to think, well, I'll get some windshield w- washer fluid to go in our cars, and so I grabbed two of those gallons, and I couldn't set them down on top of the groceries, so I slid them under the cart and got them down in that little rack underneath the basket, and so I got to do my own checkout, as is recently customary, and so I got everything checked out and got all my groceries paid for back in the cart, pushed all the way across the parking lot, I was parked way out there, got there and started unloading my groceries in, the, in, the, uh, in my truck. And when I got all the groceries out of the basket, guess what I discovered? <laughs> Those two gallons of washer fluids under the rack, I didn't pay for them. I thought, well, man, it's a long ways back in there, you know. I've got to walk all the way across this parking lot. Who knows? It's like a, the, the Sahara Desert, you know. You're walking back across the parking lot. Thought, well, shucks, I might not sleep good tonight, so I better take them back in there or at least go pay for them. And so I didn't take them back in. I just walked back in and... And where I was checking out, the guy was gone, so there was another lady there. And I told her, I said, I, I got out of the store with two gallons of washer fluid I didn't pay for. And she's looking at me kind of frustrated. I'm, I'm trying to read her mind. She's probably thinking, well, why'd you come back, dummy? <laughs> and I said, I just, I just need to pay you for the washer fluid. She said, did you bring them in? I said, no, I left them in the car. I want them. I just want to pay for them. And she's looking at me like, I don't know why you even came back. Man, you got away with it. I, I said, well, I, I just need to pay you for them. She said, well, I've never done anything like this before. I don't even know what to do. And uh, I said, well, whatever you think. And she said, well, wh- how about if you go back there and get one of them, bring it up here, and I'll scan it twice, and you pay for it, and then I'll put them back on the shelf. I said, okay. Well, I, was, I mean, Walton's made my money. <laughs> and so I got back got that one, walked all the way across the store, got back, got up there at self-checkout, checked the thing out, and that lady's gone. And so I looked around, couldn't see her. She's in a powwow with other employees. So I walked over to the greeter. I figured this is probably a futile attempt, but I told the greeter what I did, and she's she's looking at me kind of, you know, like, what's wrong with you? I said, well, would you tell that blonde-headed lady over there that I did check those two washer fluid gallons out. Paid for them. I left them sitting on the counter over there so she'll know kind of what happened. Uh, somebody might say, well, what's the big deal? Those things are three bucks apiece." Well, your conscience is a big deal. And uh, who knows? Brother Miguel might have been standing around and lurking in the corner somewhere watching me and saw me do that. And, if, and then he'd be tempted to steal. So... I'm just saying, your conscience, when you give in to temptation, your conscience, it's not worth living with your conscience when you don't have to do wrong. You can just do right. Well, good. Y'all have made a lot of good observations. Brother Miguel is going to preach for us, and he's going to come up to 10 10 minutes, conclude that thing, and then we're going to get one more up here. Shoot the loop.
2: Thank you. Well... I'm going to start my timer so I can not go past 10 minutes. Um, I come today to speak to you guys about something that I struggle with too, sometimes, and uh, it is a simple topic, but also it is a complex topic. So I can go for an hour talking about this, but I can't. And um, if we get this right and we actually practice it every day, it will answer all our problems, every single one of them. Guess what that is? Anybody have any guesses? Faith. If we have faith like those in the Bible, like um like Isaiah, having unwavering faith like Abraham, it will answer all our problems in our life. Wouldn't you I say that, but it's easier for us to work for our success, right? It's easier for us to to know that, okay, I'm going to work hard, get this money, and with this money, I'm going to do this and this and this, right? It's easier because you're planning it, you're in control, you know how much you have to do, and it's great. But to grow spiritually and accomplish all that God has for you, it requires a little bit more work. It requires faith. Now, believe it or not, we all practice faith every day. Where Whatever you do from the moment you get up from the bed... To the moment you set your, even after you go to sleep, you're practicing faith. When we're walking, when we're sitting on a chair, when we're jumping, it requires a lot of faith. It requires faith on the gravity that, that is, that's still there, right? Hopefully we're not on the moon and we just start flying out off the floor. We have faith in, the, in that. We have faith in our knees that it won't just go from underneath us and we just fall on the ground. These are the things that we have faith in. Some practice, um, in reality, we want to control so much of our lives that faith has no place in our lives. Now, let's dive into the topic before I just keep going. Uh, Our Bible reading is in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. And it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Let's pray. Lord, help me this evening, Lord, and help me to uh, speak your word and not my own. Give me strength. Calm my nerves. Thank you for being an amazing God. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, let's start by what is faith? And we read it. But the dictionary tells us something weird. It tells us that it's the complete trust or confidence in someone or something. How vague. The Bible, I think, has a better definition. The faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen it is evidence now how can we have faith so verse 2 tells us that the elders had a good report because of their faith simply it's believing that god has every set, has everything set for the things that are not there yet everything that we we know that god has something for us by faith we pray that we need What we need, knowing God will give us an answer. And God always, always gives an answer. Through the Bible, we read about the people who had faith in God. And if you keep reading through chapter 11, it will list some of those people. But what is amazing is that these people were human. These people had flaws. These people had things in their lives that did set back a lot of things, you know? Biggest example in the, whole word, in the whole word of God is Israel. They got set back 40 years. That's crazy. But God had a plan for them. And God had a perfect plan for them. And the hard-headed Israel took 40 years to understand what God had for them. But at the end, God kept his word. And God gave them an answer. Now, how, do we, how can we live out faith? What do I need to have faith in God? Now, the first step is, we are, some of us already took that first step. It is believing and accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen. Believe that Jesus came and died for your sins. John 3.16 is the most well-known chapter and verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 3.28 tells us that man is justified not by actions or the way we pray or the way we handle our lives, but by faith, your faith. Romans 10.10, let's turn to Romans. Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That tells us that it all starts from the heart. Where faith in God is started. You can say a prayer. And you can say that you believe in God. But unless it is in your heart. And you accept him. Is where it all starts. So that is the first step. And it is the hardest step. Imagine. It is so easy to just accept Jesus Christ as your and savior. A lot of us that accepted Jesus. Or say to other people. It's like man it's so easy. Just do it. But it is so hard. Because it brings, it brings everyone to a place of surrender. I remember that one night, one Wednesday night, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Man, I went to tears. And because I knew where my, how sinful I was. And I knew how perfect God was. But that first step changed the whole direction of my life. And it's been amazing ever since. Now you say, after I accept Jesus Christ, now what? I've done it, now what? Trust with all your heart that the Lord will do the best for your life. Not everybody else's life, but your life. God has a plan for each and every one of us. And we practice faith. We will have that assurance that God has a plan. It's easy to look at the lives of others and immediately turn around and pray that God will give you their life. But that, my friend, is called envy. God wants the best for your life. And that might be a harder road than everybody else. That might be an easier road than everybody else. But both roads takes faith. It takes faith that God has has a plan. I, for example, I prayed for God to guide us somewhere. We were planning on moving out of Missouri. We were thinking about where should we go. We were looking into Kansas. We were looking in other places. We didn't think about Arkansas yet, but God led us here, and what a journey. Some, sometimes I look at what God has given me, and I'm like, man, Lord, I wish I had more, <laughs> and it's, it's the envious part of me, but sometimes I, I, I wake up in the morning, and I see that sunrise, and I say, Lord, thank you for what I have. I have a wonderful wife, a wonderful kids. I have a place that I own. God has blessed me so much and yet i test god's god's faith all the time now we need to practice our own faith if it wasn't for our faith we will still be in missouri trying to figure out what is the best plan for our lives the step is hard but the journey after the step is rewarding and fulfilling now we need to know the god's answers you, wouldn't you want to know what God answers your prayer, what he says? Number one, he says, no. Man, sometimes you want something and God just says, no, can't have it. That's because he has a better plan. Number two, he says, yes. Sometimes he's like, here you go. Sometimes I pray for something and the next thing you know, I have it. And it's amazing. But sometimes he says, wait. Just like Israel and had to wait 40 years, sometimes you have to wait four days. Man, it kills me when I have to wait four days for something I really want now, right? But God says this will be done, but not when you want to. Through da- how do you grow your faith? Through daily Bible reading. Reading God's word will help you encourage while also instructing you in how to live the life of faith. Go to church. Man, it's something different when you go to church. Life is better. I mean, you can come here and I could have had a horrible day and Brother Bob will come and say, Hey, how you doing? And that would just make, make my day, right? I could feel like trash, but I'll, I'll, I'll have somebody come up to me and say, Hey, hope you had a good day today. And there's some donuts in the, fr- in the kitchen. I'm like, Yeah, my day just got 100% better. Don't eat too many, though. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. <laughs> Uh, church is where everybody comes as a family and worships God now there are some that are more difficult to deal with than others but still we are all here under one place to worship God isn't that amazing and to get God's word now what's the third thing pray constantly constantly pray I find myself sometimes at work complaining to God God what are you doing this what are you doing that Why can't I get a better job? Or why why can't my operator just understand what I'm doing? Things like that. We have so much to think about throughout the day. Why don't we talk to God? Why don't we bring it up to him? The guy that has all the answers and will give us all the answers. Now, I didn't tell you the title of my message. The title of my message is show me your faith. Can you show me your faith through the way you live? the way you smile every time, even when things are hard, just say God is good because he has a plan. I might not know it. You know, I just hit a deer. My car got totaled. I'm still smiling because God has a plan. God has, a, has a th- something in, in place for me. Have you put your trust in Jesus? That's a question. Many people will say that they follow God, Many people would say that they trust in God, but have you placed your trust in your whole life in Jesus Christ? The only answer. Did you believe that God has the best for you? I challenge you to read this chapter, chapter 11 of Hebrews, and be encouraged by the life of people who have faith. And maybe, maybe you just have to answer like Paul did. Paul in Philippians 4.11 says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Thank you.
1: Out of this. Faith, what touched your heart? Don't make me come out there. What did you get it? Faith, something touched your heart. Where did your faith begin? I think you must have got that out of this. Where did your faith begin? I mean, we can believe in a lot of stuff. I think he gave some illustrations. You can believe in a lot of things. But the one thing you must believe in is God. But just believing in God, is that enough to get us into heaven? No, it's trusting what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. Have you placed your faith in him? If so, what does the Bible say? Some people say, well... You know, there's all kinds of religions. The Muslims got a religion. The Hindus have got a religion. All kinds of religions. Even the atheists have a religion. So does religion save? Not according to the Bible. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so when you place your faith in Christ, what he did on the cross of Calvary, that's where your eternal life begins. Do you know that if you already trusted Christ as your Savior, you're just as good as in heaven, right now, as you'll ever be, you're in heaven. I mean, your eternal life began. And heaven is your, is your promise that you'll receive it by faith. We haven't seen heaven, but by faith, we know it's waiting for us. Faith. Somebody give me something else. What, what touched your heart? Anything? Faith. Faith. Good. Exactly. Well, sometimes you don't know what doing. Remember, <laughs> we're going... On Sunday mornings, we're going through Ecclesiastes and Solomon's wondering what in the world is going on in the world. Well, if you've got faith in God, he can do whatever he wants to and you know it's going to be okay. It'll be okay. Sooner or later, it's going to be okay. Faith. Faith in Christ gets you saved. Now, after you're saved then you can exercise faith in his promises all through the Bible. But just believing that God exists is not quite enough because the Bible says even the devils believe and they tremble. So it's believing the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That faith in what he did on the cross is what saves. All right, we've got one more. And uh, Brother Lloyd, you're going to finish this thing out for us. Come ahead and... Uh, we uh, we likened this to uh, kind of handing off the baton the other night. You've got the final baton.
3: All right, Romans chapter eight. <clears throat> it's funny how that uh, all this ties together. It's not really funny. It's interesting how that it ties together. Um, First thing someone said tonight, Brother Jonathan, he goes, Man, this world's a mess, isn't it? And I said, Yeah, it is. It's a mess. It is. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is, therefore, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Now the new Bibles stop right there. They put a period. Okay, it says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, believe it or not, my subject is peace. Okay? Peace in the midst of the storm. Peace, uh, having faith when uh, things happen in your life and you don't know, we've, we've had... Uh, We've had people in here that that have uh, experienced death in their family. Uh, our daughter-in-law, their daughter-in-law, my wife and I, our oldest child passed away with just for no real reason. You have to have you have to have faith to realize that God doeth all things well, and you can have peace when things like those happen. So. He says there in verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation. Whenever you see, we got a saying, Brother Brooks, uh, whenever you see the word therefore, you want us to look and see what it's there for. So let's go back to chapter 7 and around verse 21, and it says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Brother Denny, this is going to kind of tie in with what you said. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am. And Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. So, then he says, "There is in verse eight, or chapter eight, verse one. Because he said that, with your mind, your the will is to do the Lord's bidding, is to do what you know is right. This flesh is warring. There's a there is a war going on. When you get saved, it's like it's on. Okay, I was in the Marine Corps when I got saved. I was." I had just turned 20, as a matter of fact, and uh, my wife and I, we were lost baptized church members. We found us a local Baptist church out in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, where we were stationed at that time, and we heard the preaching of the Word of God. One of the members there came down to our house while I was at school and led Carol to the Lord. Three days later, the the pastor was preaching, and, and like I say, we... We were lost baptized church members already. And so I heard the gospel. And I realized that, you know, I've been playing a game. Joined the church for the wrong reason. Got baptized for the wrong reason. I joined the church because I wanted the heat to be off so I could date, date the girl I wanted to date. <laughs> so when, uh, when I heard the gospel... I was like Brother Brooks, except for he was on the wrong side of church. He was on this side, he says, and I was on that side. And I know that when I took that step of faith out of that row row of chairs or whatever they were, pews or whatever they were, it's been 50-some years now. So um, when I took that step of faith is when I got saved. It's when I believed in my heart. It wasn't coming down to an altar and praying and all that, although that's what I I did because that's what I thought you had to do. But God saved me right when I took that step of faith. When you believe is when you get saved. So that's faith, okay? And then let's go back to, we're talking about peace. Let's go back to Romans chapter 5. I used to preach on the streets uh, quite often for years and years, and this was my my preaching verse here, 5 verse 1. It says, therefore being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That, that means your baptism didn't do it. Your church membership doesn't do it. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ. It is through the blood of Jesus Christ only. There is no other thing you can do. There is nothing that you can do because if there was you would never have peace you'd always be wondering have i done enough what about what about what i did the other day brother brooks what about you know my conscience like you were saying a while ago what about this what about that did i man i should have done this you you would never have peace the only way you're going to have peace is to know that you're justified by faith back over to chapter eight yeah you know, it's uh, the bible says confess your false to one another you know there was a time in my life when i i had the whole chapter eight all the whole chapter memorized didn't even have to look at it and i it's it's still very familiar to me but i i Along the wayside, I didn't refresh it, refresh it, refresh it, and you lose it. But I, this is one of the one of my favorite chapters. The uh, book of Romans is called is known as in some circles as the Christian Constitution, and this chapter is one of the favorite chapters. But it says again in verse three for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. It's flesh. You understand? It was weak through the flesh. All right? We couldn't keep it. Okay? Weak through the flesh. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law. Did you see that? The law is righteous. We just couldn't keep it. The flesh couldn't keep it. Couldn't do it. So... The point that I'm trying to make is that peace that we can have, even though the world's a mess, and it is, and it's going to get worse, according to the Bible. And we can, st- but we can still have faith. We can still be true to our conscience. We can still witness to people and ask God to bring people into our lives and us cross paths with them and us be faithful to give the gospel out and give them some of that peace that you and I have that are born again here.
1: Good. Good Amen. All right. Peace. Peace. Isn't that what everybody wants? I mean, they want peace in their heart. I mean, who wants to lay down at night and be anxious and tossing and turning on their pillow and not be able to sleep? People want peace. Who wants family turmoil? I mean, Who wants their family to be arguing and fussing and fighting? We want peace, don't we? I mean, we'd like for there to be peace all over the world. And it kind of exists in little pockets. But a Christian can have peace all the time. Now, I'm not saying nothing ever upsets you for a little while. I mean, if you lose a daughter in death, you have financial ruin or you get in a car crash. You know, there's going to be a short period of time there that you may feel like your world's falling apart. But when you get time to get along with God, then he will restore that peace if we're on the same page of the book with him. Peace. Peace. What what inspired you out of that? I know you got something. Talk to me. Brother Chad. True inner peace only, only comes through Jesus. Only through... Yeah, we can get fake peace. It falls by the wayside, doesn't it? (laughs) So, the only true peace comes by placing our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And that's lasting peace. It's going to maybe have a few waves in it, but it's always going to settle back down. I know He's in charge. What's going to happen in the future? What's going to happen in the Middle East? Are we about to get in World War III? Will they be calling our children up to serve in the military and try to save the world? It could happen. Are we still going to have peace in here as Christians? That's the question. Do we have peace? Um, That peace only comes when we're trusting Him. What about the future? Well, when we know the Bible, we know that there is a thing called the rapture that's going to happen. And this world is going to get crazier. If you think it's as crazy as it can get now, no, it's not. It's going to get worse. When Antichrist comes on the scene and the world's going through the great tribulation, you and I who are saved or born again, we're going up in the rapture. And we can have peace Although we know what's coming on the world, we know the Antichrist is going to wreak havoc and hell on earth. And those who are left behind will endure that. Only those who are saved will go up in the rapture to be with the Lord Jesus. But you and I, knowing that's coming, shouldn't worry us because we have peace. Knowing that we're going up, we're going to be gone. And perhaps some of those who are left behind will be saved, but I wouldn't count on it. If I wasn't saved, I'd get saved right now. <laughs> That's the only way to have peace, is to be saved. How do we know what's going to happen in the future? Because the book tells us, after that rapture, the tribulation, then Jesus is coming back to establish his kingdom on earth for a thousand years. And then after that, sweet peace through all eternity. As we enjoy everything that we wished we would have had in this earthly life, we'll enjoy it forever. And it's going to be in a real heaven that's got a solid ground. You can put your foot down on it. It's not some gaseous existence like Casper the Ghost floating around. It's going to be a real place. And uh, that's why I have peace because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next year. But I know whatever happens, I know God's got, He's got me covered because I place my faith in him. Bashirs pray for the Bashirs family. That's a, that is a heart-wrenching decision to have to make. And while we might know or think we know what we would do in that situation, if you haven't been there, it's different when you're there. All right, well, I appreciate all three of these messages, appreciate the ones we had on Sunday night. And we'll do this again sometime. <clears throat> but for now... <clears throat> I think we've got three good points out of this. Avoid temptation, right? Avoid temptation. God gives you the power to do it. Number two, have faith. And the faith and peace that Brother Lloyd talked about, the faith Miguel talked about, is linked to the peace. If you've got faith, you can have peace. And so all three of these fit together real good. All right. Remember to pray for the missionaries, Chuck and Joe Harding, that Brother Chad mentioned a little while ago. And uh, that they'll be able to reach out there in Washington, D.C., and, and bring peace to the hearts of some of those people who are leading our country. <laughs> and some of them are wanting to take us in the wrong, wrong direction. Pray for them, that God will save them and give them some wisdom. All right. Anything else before we go? Well, let's stand together. You've been a very quiet crowd the last, last half of the evening. I want us to have an opportunity to at least uh, talk to the Lord. We'll have the piano to play uh, right after prayer, and, uh, and we'll just keep our heads bowed and eyes closed. If anybody wants to come to the altar, I still believe in altar calls, and I believe that if somebody heard the Word of God preached, it's a good time if God spoke to your heart just to kneel at the altar and talk to the Lord about it. All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd bless us. Lord, give us sweet peace as we acknowledge this time of reflection in our own hearts, Lord, as we let you speak to us with that still, small voice. Lord, if our hearts have been touched, I pray that we'd bow our hearts and our knees to you tonight. Lord, if there happens to be someone either watching by video or someone in this room that doesn't know Jesus as Savior, I pray that tonight that either come to this altar and ask for help to pray and receive Christ as Savior tonight or if they'd come to somebody after the after the service is dismissed and Lord they'd just ask one of these three preachers or one of the rest of us and ask ask us just exactly how can I be saved tonight because I don't want to be left behind to go through that tribulation Lord I pray that you'd speak to hearts. Our heads are bowed and eyes